This is our second sermon in this thought that a God is wrestling with me as we move toward uh, this season of, of sermons that we've got coming. As I said, in November, the first uh, Sunday in November, we will begin uh, some call them revivals. We, we, don't, we stay in revival at all seasons. That's what I've always said. We just remain in revival. It, that's, that's never going to change. But there are seasons where we have gone through things and we need refreshing, we need renewal. And if you were feeling anything while ago during the praise, during, during what Jim began to say, that is where we're at right now. It's nothing wrong. Look at the person beside you and say, there's nothing wrong. That's not what we're saying. We just built, as we said, as a church, as a group, as a community, we just built a camp that over nearly, of, you know, nearly twelve to fifteen hundred people came to this last week year. We we've got all kinds of things going as far as as good things, but in that we get tired and weary from all that we do. It, it somebody drives up, it's like, oh man, it's a cool church. All these people smiling, shaking. Yeah, let me just give you some insight. It takes energy to do that. If that does, anybody ever get up some days, it's like, I don't feel like shaking nobody's hand. I don't feel like hugging nobody's. Well, that's normal. Just, just understand, that's normal. We, we don't just wake up every day like, ah. It, it doesn't happen like that. It, it requires the prayer, the seeking, and some seasons are harder than others. And we have been through over these last several years, it just, don't seem like it, but just nine years ago, we built this building. So in the last 10 years, we have built buildings, we have created camps, we have and it has been a, a great season, but it's been a tiring season. Paul said, don't grow weary in your well-doing. And so that's just biblical. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You can do good. You can be a good dad and get tired. You can be a good mom and be wore out. It, it, it doesn't require you being bad. It just means it's normal. Jesus at times had to get away in seasons where he would just go up into the mountains with his disciples or by himself. One of the things they noticed the most about him is he got away to pray. He got away to refill. And so this is what this season will be. And so I'm, I'm setting us up for this. And as Jim said, in fact, Jim preached my sermon, so I've got to re-preach it here now. He used the one scripture I didn't use. But in that scripture, it talks about prayer, humbling yourself, and it's that word turn. That word turn. Now last week I dealt a great deal with repentance. Because that's where any, any type of refilling, because what we want to do is we just want somebody to play some good music. And back in my day, you'd play some Gaither music and, and, or you'd play some uh, Happy Goodman's music. And man, you just get down there and you start just shouting and you'd feel good. And the problem was, is that that type of feeling we thought was real. Listen to me very carefully. I was raised in that atmosphere where, where man, that was real. Boy, we, do you feel God? Do you, do you, I mean, we had a church, sir. We had all of these things take place. The problem was, is that within three, four months, we had to do it again. And then we had to do it again. And we always had to have people coming through, keeping us pumped up, primed up, going. What was the problem? It's, the problem is, is that we did it from an emotional, from a just, what I want is just to be filled up. What I want to be is just to be, just to be fired up. The problem was we didn't walk through the system by which God calls us to. And we began to study last week as Paul or Peter is preaching the, one of the very first sermons that's ever preached. And it's, and it's almost identical to the first sermon he preaches. And he's standing in front of people and we said he uses the illustration of what him and John had just done. They had just healed a lame man. And the whole beginning of this is the understanding of repentance. Is it Peter says, and let's go to our scriptures now, in the book of Acts, Acts 3, and beginning at uh, verse 18, here's what it says. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ must do what? Suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So he says, listen, everything that is supposed to happen has happened. Everything the prophets had said in the Old Testament, everything's been fulfilled. Everything is in order. Everything is done. There's nothing left that needs to be, be accomplished. There's no death. There's no work. There's no action. Everything has been finished. That's why Jesus from the cross cries out, it is finished. It's through. Well, then if it's finished, then, oh, well, just, you know. <clears throat> so we get upset. The world gets upset. Well, Well, how can a good God send people to hell? He doesn't. 
God's work is finished. Well, I mean, why does he let bad things happen? God's work is finished. See, the world wants the refilling and the refreshing. The world wants the blessings, but they don't know the system. And if they hear the system, they don't like the system. That's the other side, right? So so what is the system by which God uses to move us from finished to getting to our lives? How do I get the finished work of God working in my life? How do I get the finished work of God operating in my life, in my family, in my marriage, in my day-to-day? How do I get that happening? Well, verse 19, here's what it says. Repent, therefore. God's through, finished. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for each one of us. He's finished. He's just waiting for your prayer, waiting for your call. But he says, here is your action now that has to operate that sets in motion everything that God wants to do in your life. Repent, therefore, and be converted. And that word converted and translating in a different way, let me translate it in another one I've got written here. Now it's time to change your ways. Repent, therefore, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins and pour out showers of blessings to refresh you. This is the system. This is what God wants to do in your life. He says, I've finished. I'm done. I've made a covenant. And in my covenant, the only things left is for you to operate, for you to act out. And if you will repent, or as we just read the scriptures just a few minutes ago in First Chronicles, what does it say? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, will pray, will call upon my name and do what? And turn from their ways, then I will do what? I will heal their lands. The promise is there. God says, I'm just waiting. I can't do any more now than what you will allow me to do. You can sit and complain about God. You can say, why does God let this happen? You can complain and wonder why God doesn't fix your marriage. You can complain and quit going to church and say, church didn't do me any good. You can go through all of those motions, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you what your problem is. The problem is you want to do it without the system. And the system begins with you repenting. That's why last week, hundreds of people throughout both services were crying and praying. And, and do it. Why? Because the hunger has to begin with this mindset, God, forgive me. Forgive me because I'm not 100% of what I need to be. You say, but I'm not a bad person. That's what Isaiah thought before he met Jesus and met God sitting on the throne. And then the Bible says he fell on his face as dead and says, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I say things and do things. I shouldn't do. And God had to do what? Touch him and say, it's okay, Isaiah. Getting in my presence is what I want you to do. And so in our lives, this is what we have to move toward, to be converted, to turn. So how, Brother Lot, do I do that? Well, repentance is first. And when we talk about this turning that we have to do, the second part of turning is praying. So when we say turning... What does turning involve? Repenting? I understand that. Brother Lott, I'm sorry for what I've done. I don't want to be that person. But what do I do next? Well, the first thing you do next is you begin these moments of refreshing will come because of your prayers. Go with me to 1 John 5, 13 through 15. 1 John 5, 13 through 15. Here's what it says. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So, If you've repented, if you say, I believe in Jesus, then these words are for who? They're for you. That you may know that you have eternal life. That's that's why we do this. That you may continue to believe. Now, listen there. Here's what it says. It didn't say that you just believe and it's finished. It says that you would look at the person beside you and say, you can stop believing. Don't let anybody tell you you can't stop believing because you'd be against the Bible because you just read it. Well, that ain't what brother so-and-so told. Well, I don't care what, brother. He didn't write this first John. He may have got a seminary or mortuary degree or whatever he got, but he didn't write first John. And I ain't got time to go to all the other scriptures he didn't write either. But listen to me, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may 
Say it out loud. Go ahead and read the Bible with me. Continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Here's why. Here's why it's so important. Verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have. If we are where we're supposed to be, if we are moving in the direction we're supposed to move, here's the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to his will, he... So how do I know, Brother Lot, that my life is being refreshed? That my prayer life... My prayer life becomes a confident life. My prayer life becomes, look now, if I lay hands on you, something's gonna happen. If I pray for you, something's going to take place. See, most of us just want to be the frozen chosen, the few, the driest cracker juice. We think that's godly. No, what's godly is when I'm alive enough to know that if I pray for you, something's gonna happen. That's the confidence that we have if we have eternal life is that all of a sudden now I can pray for my family. I can pray for my marriage. I can pray for my children. I can believe that things are going to happen that the world says can't happen. I believe that God still does miracles and he still can do them this morning and he still can do them in your life that's that's salvation now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us now, let me just stop here and let me just say don't get mad at me I, I don't i don't really like that prayer i don't like that church listen only thing i've done the last 15 minutes is quote what So it it isn't me that can change. It's who? It's you. If you want a better life than you have, then hiding won't get you there. You're going to have to change the system. It begins with first saying, okay, I'm not who I need to be. And then secondly, it begins with turning. And turning involves allowing your prayer life to become what God wants it to be. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according, he hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we... If if I'm confident that he hears me, and I know that he's God Almighty, then here's what I'm confident of. Something's going to happen. Now, y'all can can think that, well, he's just, he's he's hyper-Christian. No, I'm just biblical. It's just what the Bible says is that my, my life surrendered to God creates confidence. And that confidence shows itself through my prayer life. It shows itself through my, through my life that, that I believe for things. Right now, we've got situations in the church. Some people's got cancer. Some people's got some different things going on. And, 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 and it's been awesome because I, I don't, it ain't something I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. No, it's like, okay, God, this is a time for you to show out. And, and I'm believing for some, I'm not telling the testimonies of some of the stuff I'm holding for right now, but doctors are already saying, well, it ain't what we thought, and that's this, and, this. and I'm just waiting for them to come back in that room and finally say, we can't find nothing. That's, that's the next step I'm waiting for. And the enemy's been telling me, well, you've got a lot. You, you've got more than you thought you would get. No, I ain't got all I thought I was going to get. That's not what I stood on the ground saying. And I'm not letting it go. You know, I, don't, I didn't ask for a little better. I asked for it gone. And I'm not sharing all that yet, but I'm just telling you, there's coming up, I'm, I'm fixing to share a testimony shortly, and it's going to sound good. And in our lives, that's the confidence that I have. I know that when I'm asking him for things, because I have eternal life, I know I'm his child, I know I'm saved, my prayer life shows it. And let me ask you something. Have you repented? Have you turned so that this morning that if something hits you, your prayer life is strong enough to say, that's no problem? Or are you at a point in your dryness, in your weakness to where, oh, Lord, I can't take this, Lord. Oh, don't let this happen. Lord, please don't let this happen. Which side are you on? See, God doesn't bring problems to hurt you. He brings problems to reveal you. Because he's already the God of every problem. He's just revealing where you are at the moment. Where's my faith? Where's my life? Let me give you the second thing that happens when you turn. The second discipline that has to show forth is worship. 
Worship becomes the next thing. If I'm praying, believing, and I actually know that he's God, then worship. Go with me to Psalms 96 and 9. Here's what it says, Psalm 96. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. See, the problem we have is that we have worship now. We gather together, man, we have concerts, we have, we have passion trips, we have all these different trips and all these camps and all this, and all that's wonderful and good. But I'm going to tell you why we don't see what we want to see from God is because worship can only come through and can only accomplish what it's meant to accomplish when it comes to God in the beauty of holiness. If we skip the step of repentance, if we skip the step of turning, and we just jump into work, hey, we're just going to get a bunch of people in here, and we're just going to get them worshiping and get them feeling good, and when they feel good, will they'll believe God can do something. And it won't last a week out that door. It won't last a week. There has to be within us. He says, listen, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. When we think of worship, we don't think of people trembling. We think of the clap dance. We don't think of trembling before the Lord. Our worship is different. Our worship is how cool and how cute and how, how many people and how loud the music. And God says, let me tell you what true worship looks like. When you come to me in the beauty of holiness, and then when you see me, you tremble. And you can't help but worship me. You can't help but brag on me because I'm all you got. You don't have a plan B. I'm it. It makes you run hard to me. It makes you tell everybody else that says anything negative, you need a hush. Because you don't understand, he's all I got. The third thing that has to take place when we, when we do this, the third discipline is God's word. Go with me to Psalms 1. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of God. Now I want you to go back because I don't want you to miss this because we could just start with that verse. I could have just gone to verse 2 and said, the man's delight is in the law of the Lord. I could have said that, right? But I would have skipped a step, wouldn't I? We have to start with verse 1 because everything I just told you for the last 15 minutes was what? Blessed is the man who walks not. Blessed is the man who stands not in the past of the... Blessed is the man who doesn't seat in the seat of the... See, all of those things is coming to worship God in the beauty of holiness, in the spirit of humbleness, in the understanding, God, that you're mine. You're, you're all I've got. See, there's, there's, an, there's an attitude and a way to enter into the presence of God, and because we don't do it anymore, we don't have results anymore that last and we get frustrated with church. And why isn't church, I mean, why don't we see what we used to see? Why don't things, it's because if we break the pattern, God will not bring seasons of refreshing. He will not bring seasons of renewal to your life. Blessed is this man who has this mindset. And then verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law, he meditates. Let me ask you a question. What do you do more of? Look at your phone or look at your Bible? My phone is really smart. That's why they call it a smartphone. It'll even tell me ever so often. You have been looking at your phone this week one hour and 
You are up 15% or you're down. And your phone do that? Anybody else's phone does it? Yeah. Now, you know enough already that you could ask yourself, are you reading your Bible an hour a day? Because your phone already says, we're proud of you because you're up 15% of hanging out with us. You have spent four hours and 47 minutes with us today. But the Bible says this man, his delight, this woman, her delight is in the law of the Lord. And she doesn't spend a whole lot of time on CNN and Fox News. And she doesn't listen to a lot of Instagram. And she doesn't spend hours on Facebook sitting on a couch. Her delight and his delight is in the law of the Lord. And that is what they meditate on day and night. That is where the answers for their life are coming from. Brother Lott, you being ugly. Yes, I am. Let's just make this very clear. I am. Because it's the bad news that has to come before your good news. We live in an anarchist society. They don't want ethics. An anarchist society refuses ethics. But here's what they like. They like to do what they want to do until somebody does it to them. That's an anarchist society. That's where we live. It's okay if I pick at you, shoot you, do whatever, but don't shoot me. Don't, don't bother me. Don't come to my house. This is the society we live in. And listen to me. We live in a society that does not want to delight in anything else but this. So understanding, this is the system by which we, we operate. So let me explain this good and bad a little bit. Is that okay? If God tells you bad news, and if he can't tell you bad news, then he don't have the power within your life to tell you the good news. Let me explain it this way. My kids, the biggest struggle I have with my kids all of their lives is one thing. It is the misunderstanding that they can make good on a test without studying before it. Of all the things I struggle with my kids. Now, I, that's a simple way of saying everything in their life. I don't care if it's sports. I want to be a baseball player. Well, son, we need to, we need to start working out. We're going to have to run so much. I don't like doing all that stuff. I don't like. Well, son, that's the only way you will ever be good. No, I just want to be good. Mm -mm. It's the bad news that you can handle first. Tom Brady is considered the greatest football player of all time. And if anybody believes Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time, you're crazy. The dude can run like a five flat on the 40. He, they make fun of his run when he did the 40-yard dash. The dude looked like he's about to fall the whole time. He, he can't... He, he has no coordination. He has, he, he can't move. He can't, he can't run around in the pocket. He can't, he, he is so limited, but he is the goat. Hands down, the greatest on television. They're going to tell you that's the goat. Why? If he doesn't have any, it's because he loves not the game. He loves the grind. Every interview you'll find of any person that talks to him, anybody that's ever been around him, they'll say he loves the grind. He loves what you do before you play the game. He loves the 100 throws he has to make to get good at that one throw. He loves eating avocado, avocado ice cream because it keeps him in shape. And he's now 40, nearly 50 years old. And he can still do what he's been able to do for the last 25 years. He eats certain things that nobody will eat. He does certain things. He even has gone so far. He has a TB12, which teaches other people how to eat, other people how to keep their bodies in shape. Other, it's not his athleticism that makes him a goat. It's not his ability that makes him a goat. It's his understanding that I can handle the bad news as well as I can handle the good news. In fact, the bad news is what I eat on and what I chew on. The good news doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, that's why he doesn't care about the game. He lives off the grind. 
I'll give it to you this way. I'm a P90X person from time to time. And it's getting time. And me and Tony Horton got to have a whole nother round of him calling me ugly things. And people will ask me, why do you do that? Because I'll tell them, I say, I do P90X. And, I sit my, and they're like, whoo, man, or insanity or whatever you want to call all those type. They're like, that stuff's crazy. No. I know the results that it will bring. If, if I was to ask you, do y'all know the results that it would? Oh, yeah. Now, if you did it, man, 90 days, ain't no doubt. You'd, you'd be shred. You'd be, okay. Now the question becomes, what do you want? You already said that it will work. You already said it will accomplish what you want it to accomplish. Now the question is, will you do the grind? Am I willing to go in there for an hour each day and hear him say, bring it? And I'm like, I don't feel like bringing it. I'm about to die. Jump over that tar. Jump around, jump again. You're like, I'm tired of jumping. Come on now, you can do anything for 30 seconds. No, you can't. No, you can't do anything for 30 seconds. You can die in 30 seconds. Why do you do it? Because I have chosen, listen to me now, I have chosen to bend my will to listen to him and say, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Hmm. Let me tell you what's partially wrong with our society. Is that in our raising kids now, we have this, we have this one phrase that, that we, we use, you know, and we kind of just, see if I can say it best. You know what? We're just going to let our kids kind of figure it out. I mean, we, we've even reached the point now we're going to let them figure out what gender they are. We're going to let our kids figure it out. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, and we become best friends and friends to our kids and not people who help them learn to bend their will. And if we don't train our children to learn, do you want that? Then this is what you have to do. My dad, of all the things he was great at test tra training us, that was it. You know, we got a we got a Nintendo when them first, you know, it played Pong. Anybody remember Pong? The stick it goes up and down. That boy we thought we were. And me, my brother Trent, my brother Terrence, my sister Tabitha, we wanted a Nintendo. First thing we, I mean, there's no such thing like it. An electronic game. And my dad said, here's what we'll do. If y'all can raise half the money, I'll pay the other half. What? But because we were raised in that, fair, sounds good. Man, we, we were... Doing anything we can do, fixing people's yards, washing windows, anything we can do to make up that $25 or whatever it was at that time. It seemed like a lot of money, but the whole system was like a $50 system back in the 70s. But man, we got half of that money. And I cannot tell you, man, when we finally had it, and here's the thing, somebody would bring a drink or something in that room and set it down near that thing. We're like, oh, no, no, get that drink away from there. You tear that thing up, we ain't got one anymore. You, you don't realize we paid a price. You know why your kids just throw their stuff in the yard? Because they didn't pay for it. They ain't got no skin in the game. It's just something, next free thing you gave them. It's the next free thing the world gave them. And as they get older, you don't think it's easy for them to move on to living on social security type things or living on free this and free that and free phones and free. The government says, we done trained you. Your parents have done trained you. Everybody wants free stuff for nothing. And you wonder why your life feels so miserable because if you don't accomplish anything in your life, you don't get to feel proud about yourself about anything. Now, for some of you kids, I just messed up your world. 
But in reality, I just helped you out. Because when you're my age one day and when you're 25 one day and you're realizing to get something, I'm gonna, if I want my body to be better, I'm gonna have to listen to Tony Horton. If I want my spiritual life to be better, I'm gonna have to meditate on God's word day and night. I'm gonna have to transition. I'm gonna have to turn from what I've done and I'm gonna have to do things differently because if I don't do things differently, I'm not gonna get the results that I want. Then somebody like me is going to look at you and say, quit complaining about what, what you wouldn't study for. I my ACT wasn't no good. You should have studied. I don't know why I'm still flipping burgers. Because you should have went through the manager program when they said, but I didn't want to work weekends. I hang out with my buddies. Well, you should have thought about that. Now see if your buddies will loan you some extra money. And it works the same way in the spiritual world. We think that, oh, it's God. It's all. No. If you'll turn, repent, and turn toward me. If you will humble yourself, turn from your wicked ways. It's always the same. God has done everything he needs to do. Quit blaming God. The question is, will you do what I'm asking you to do? Will you do what I need you to do. Now, go with me to Genesis now. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis 16 gives us this picture of this story. And I, I, I'm going to go through it as fast as I can. Genesis 16 gives you the picture in the Old Testament of what God is trying to teach you in the New Testament. Chapter 15 of Genesis is God's covenant. This is where he tells Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take a, a, a bullock. I want you to cut it in half. He's got this bullock that's sawed in half, laying with blood in the middle and everything. And it's to symbolize a covenant. In fact, he stays there so long waiting for it that the birds start to come and Abraham has to shoo off the birds. And Abraham has sat there so long waiting for God to make this covenant that Abraham finally falls asleep. While Abraham's asleep, God walks between the split of the calves. And what it symbolizes is, is that the covenant I've made with you is secure. My half will not yield. And he promised Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nay, you're going to have all the seed, you're going to be blessed, you're going to eat all the blessings of Abraham. And you would think, okay, well, it's good, and God's done what he's supposed to do. I'm just going to enjoy life. But what is the word? If you continue to believe. Look at that person beside you and say, if you continue to believe. Why is that so important? Because in the Old Testament, God gives us the same picture of trying to teach us this. He says, now let's go to chapter 16. Because God's made his covenant, just like Peter said, God has finished. He sent his son. Everything's been fulfilled. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. You want refreshing? You want blessings? You want all the stuff of God? Then it's your turn. And here's what chapter 16 says. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me. She goes ahead and declares what God has done. She's going to have, you know, God just, apparently God just doesn't want this. Apparently, God's got a plan that, you know, we're going to have to help him. We're going to have to help God out. God, God is needing our help. That's what Sarah's saying. That's what, that's what a young girl says. If I look at a young girl, and, and, I, and she's standing there, and she's 13, 14, 15 years old, and I'm saying, listen, sweetie, keep your pants on. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself clean. Wait for the man of your dreams. God's got one. Hang in there. Be the person you're supposed to be. Focus on your schooling. Focus on God will send you the right. I don't know if God is. No, no. That's what you got to fight. Don't stop believing that God has a plan. Don't stop, but don't, don't, don't go along somewhere and meet Mr. Wrong and decide, well, God must not really have, you know, I don't guess it's going to work. I'm just going to take you. Don't do that. Young man, 
You keep thinking, well, when I'll get my life together, you know, and all this, I'll, if I can ever find the right girl, then I'll be. No, go ahead and just be what the man of God, God called you to be. Go ahead and move forward. Go do that. And don't just go playing around with just stuff that you know you don't have no business being around. And, and, and just be the man of God and let God bring the people in your life he's going to bring. Don't, don't do like Sarah and Abraham. They are promised. They are, it's been fulfilled. God's already walked between the calf. It's done. It, the deal is done. All you have to do now is what? Wait. Just wait. Look at that person beside you and say, you're going to have to wait for it. I wish I could see our kids give it. You're going to have to wait for it. I wish I could see things. You're going to have to wait for it. I wish my job would, you're going to have to wait for it. Or otherwise you will decide, I will help God out. So Sarah said to Abraham, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Now you've got to be pretty desperate when you say, please go sleep with my maid. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain a child by her. Now culturally, this is okay. Culturally, it's, it's fine. That's why the world says if we can pass a law, then it makes it okay. Culturally, it's okay for a woman to be with a woman. Culturally, culturally, a man can be with a man. Culturally, you can have abortion. Culturally, the law says it's okay. Culturally, but that doesn't mean God says it's okay. God's a God of covenant and promise. God says, I don't care what the United States law said. If it goes against my law, let me tell you which one won't work. So Sarah said, now culturally, you know this is okay. This is what we can do because she is my servant. And the, you know culturally, I can give you my servant. And if she has a child, that's considered my child. The only problem with the plan, it's nothing wrong that the plan was doing something wrong. But it was not what God told them. And Abraham heeded to the voice of, I love how he says that. Abraham did not heed to the voice of God. Just in chapter 15, we just had the covenant. I mean, it's not like three chapters ago. Last week, we just made a covenant, me and God, that God was going to bless me. And now we're changing the plan. So Sarah said to Abraham, then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the maid, uh, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abraham and to be his wife. Now, I wish I had time to talk about Hagar because where did Hagar come from? Well, she came from Egypt. Remember the first time Abraham lied and said that Sarah was my sister. They were in Egypt trying to survive a storm, trying to survive a drought, and instead he went where God didn't tell him to go. He just went somewhere he knew was safe, and when he did it, guess what he left Egypt with? Hagar. That's a short version of what I could preach. But after Abraham had dealt 10 years in the land of Canaan, so it wasn't something he was like, I don't know about this. I don't, this ain't really what God, but the longer he had to wait, the more it sounded good. So we went into Hagar and she conceived. And when he, she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. See, here's the problem. The moment you act on flesh, it will hate the thing of God. Let's say if I, I, I do tell some young man, hey, keep yourself pure. Wait for your regular wife. Do, do. Let me tell you the first thing that's going to happen if he gets some skanky girlfriend. And he starts dragging her to church, and they already sleeping together and shacking up and doing all this. And I and I start hanging and I start coming around. Well, who is this? It's so and so. It's so and so. You know what they're going to do when they walk away from me? And I'm going to go ahead and help you out on your on your life. They're going to snicker and laugh. That's the one thing I know. When I watch two people walk away from me, and I know they ain't right, they always snicker and laugh together. Let me tell you why. Because they think they're doing something that nobody else knows. 
They couldn't be more wrong and dumber than they could ever be in their life. No, you're not doing anything. Don't nobody know. And you're not that slick. (laughs) You ain't that slick. You just that dumb to believe the world and believe what the devil told you would bring you the results you want. So Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. Man, ain't that something? You the one that gave her to me. Yeah, but you were the one that had the covenant with God and you were the one that was supposed to hold it. Don't blame your kids. It's you the one who said, God, I'll raise them to be like you. If my kids mess up, I don't blame my kids. Are you going to blame it? No. First thing I do is I blame myself. What did I not do? What did I not teach them? What did I do wrong, God? And don't get me wrong, sooner or later they're going to be grown, they're going to make their own decisions, and I can't take responsibility. But there will always be a part of me that understands the covenant wasn't made with them. The covenant was made with me. And when you break up with that skanky girlfriend, you can't go blame the skanky girlfriend. The covenant wasn't made with her. The covenant was made with you. Are you liking the bad news so far? It hurts, doesn't it? But I can't get us to refreshing until I get us through this. Sarah said, wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she was conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abraham said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her her presence. Now the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus, found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return. Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. This, is the, this was her way out. If you'll do what I'm asking you to do, Hagar. But the problem is flesh and spirit will always be at war. And no matter how many times I tell you in your flesh, do right. Hey, just do right. But a lot, just give me a list of stuff and I'll, I won't, you know. It's not that easy. The heart of man is never satisfied. Flesh won't ever be satisfied. Hagar is told, you need to go back or you're going to die. And because you're, you're, you didn't ask for this, because you didn't, you didn't bring this on yourself, this was not your decision, this was Abraham and Sarah's decision. I'm not holding this against you. In fact, through your child, I will, I will bless him. And I will make him a great nation. But something in the flesh of Hagar, because it was not God, it was not spirit, didn't change. She returned to God, but not with the right spirit. How do you know, Brother Lot? Because in times to come, she will have a son by the name of Ishmael. Ishmael will grow. Ten years later, almost 15 years later, Sarah will finally have her child. When she has her child and he's being weaned, for almost 13 to 15 years, Hagar has been telling Ishmael, you're going to get all of this one day. You were the firstborn. It's all yours. And when... Isaac was being weaned. Ishmael messed up. He went over and started poking and picking on him and said, you'll always be my little brother and you'll always just get seconds. I'll get the goods and you won't. And he picked and taunted him and the Bible says that Sarah heard it. That was a bad thing. Because the child of promise has to be protected 
from the child of flesh. And the next thing we see is Abraham who's brokenhearted. Why can't, why can't we just get along? Why can't we just have it together? Why can't we just... He's putting a bucket of water on Hagar's shoulder and saying, I love you, but you got to go. Sarah's going, Ishmael will grow up to be a great people. In fact, Ishmael is still the people of the Middle East. And you know what Ishmael still to this day wants? Wants to push Israel into the ocean and take its inheritance. The child of flesh will never cease. It will never, he said that child will never be ruled. That child will always be unruly. It'll be like a wild donkey. When you look at the Middle East, it wouldn't do for me to be a diplomat. Because I'd have to just tell them what God said. Y'all are just a bunch of wild donkeys over here. And you're going to always be a bunch of wild donkeys shooting each other, killing each other until the day it ends. Because that's, that's who your grandfather was. Yes, you are part of Abraham's seed, but you were not the child of promise. You were the child of flesh. And flesh tries in the flesh to... That's why it blows things up. That's why it does all the things in the flesh to try to create its way. Why? Because he has no spirit to be able to do it. But a lot, what does all this mean? Well, let me make it in a simple picture. I can do it real quick. Imagine God came to me and said, Tim, I want you to be my kid. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, I, I, I want you to be part of my family. But what you've been wearing and, and, and what you've had all of your life, that's got to go. I need you, Tim, to repent. But Lord, I, I'm so used to being this. This is me. It's been me for years. I know, but, but I, I need you to not be you. I need Tim to die so that you can come into my family. I've, I've got everything you need. I'll take care of you. Okay. We got to wash you. We got to get you cleaned up, Tim. We got to get you ready so you can come sit at the tables with me and you can hang out with me. Okay. So I repent. Lord, I repent. I'm, I, look, I don't want to be this person. I, I want to be what you, I want to be what you want me to be. Oh, man. Smell good, feel good. Isn't it good to get saved and get, get God, get all of them? It's a good thing. It's awesome. Man, okay, Tim, well, come on to dinner. Come on, hang out with everybody else. Hey, we're going to introduce you to your church. We're going to church family. Man, you're going to be part of all this. Okay, well, hold on just a second. Get this in here. I'm coming, Lord. Bam, I'm coming. All right, I'm ready, Lord. Tim, what's that smell? I mean, something ain't right, Tim. What are you, what are you toting? Well, it's just, I mean, it, I don't wear it anymore. This is just what I used to be. It's what I used to do, people I used to hang out with, you know. Tim, you can't bring that in here. In the spirit of holiness, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and 
repent and turn from their... Tim, you got to let go of that. Lord, I have. I don't, I don't even wear it anymore. I wear your stuff. Yeah, but you're still watching stuff. And you're still listening to stuff. And you're still toting stuff along that, Tim, those two don't mix. Ishmael and Isaac can't grow together, Tim. You can't raise them together. Let me tell you what's wrong with the church in this world today. Is that this is the way we show up to church every Sunday. I, I'm trying to be godly, brother. I'm trying to be... Nobody asked you to try. They just asked you to die. Well, I'm trying to do right. Nobody asked you to try to do right. I'm trying to keep it all under control. Nobody asked you to keep it all under control. Go back with me to Peter's sermon, beginning at verse 18. And here's what Peter's telling. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. It's all finished. So now what, Brother Lot? Verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Repent and turn. Moments of refreshing do not come because you just repent. How many people get up every morning, God, I'm sorry for the husband I am. God, I'm sorry for the wife I've been. I'm sorry for the things I did. Lord, I'm sorry for what I watched last night. I'm sorry I said those ugly words. We are a society that repents and repents. and Eventually we just accept the fact, well, God just going to have to accept me the way I am. Tired of repenting. You're missing the system. Repent. And in turn, let it go. Now, I'm not beating you up because listen to me. I'm having to let stuff go all over again. Over these last few years, stuff has crept back. My thoughts, my criticism, my attitude. my It's not that it doesn't just come back. But when it does, God says, well, what do I do? Just confess your sin. Lord, I, I'm not saying it the way I should. I'm, I'm not loving people the way I should. God, I'm a lot more critical than I used to be. I'm a lot more sarcastic than I used to be. God, I don't love my wife like I used to be. I, I'm not treating my husband the way I... My kids, I give more time. I sit here and play on Facebook and don't spend the time. I know I need to be. I ask myself later, why not waste half a day? Listen to me very carefully. I'm not beating you up. I'm giving you the bad news. And the bad news before I can give you the good news is this. I got to turn on the P90X tape and I got to hurt and sweat before I can walk out one day and say, and somebody say, dude, you're looking good. Man, yeah, I'm feeling good. But they'll never know. They'll never know the cost. Only me and God know that. Abraham later will have to have to turn. He'll have to watch Hagar and Ishmael walk away. With a broken heart, he'll have to say, I gotta let it go. He will one day have to carry Isaac up to a hill with a knife, and I gotta be willing to let it go. I can't love anything more than I love God if I want to see God pour on me the love that I want to feel. Will you stand?
What does turning look like, Brother Lot? It looks like something that doesn't belong that I have to remove. I have to remove it. Maybe it's your TV package and there's just way too much stuff on there for you to get into too much junk. Maybe it's a group that you hang out with. Man, I do real good. I get to hang around them. And it's... I can't tell you what it is, but you know what it is. I can't tell you in this room what it is. I can't. But you know what it is. Maybe it's lie that you keep telling just to keep people from finding out the real you. I don't know. I can tell you this much that refreshing that I'm longing for and I'm hungering for it doesn't happen because I play enough music or I do it happens because I first go back to the very beginning and I say God if there's anything I repent I'm sorry I don't want anything in between us and then like David of old I say Lord search me search me and if there's anything in me if there's anything in me you can have it I don't want to tote it no more. I don't want it in between us anymore. I don't want it to slow me down anymore. If you're in this room today, I'm not even asking you to come to an altar. There's something I got to do in the second service as an illustration. And God says, Tim, you know steps you know how to go back you've done this before come on son in my hunger to be close to him is so much greater than anything else that's around me that I'm willing to say yes sir you're in this place today with every head bowed every eye closed if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves would turn from their sins their ways their, their backwardness their, if they would turn if they would repent I make them a promise that's always been over them. I will heal their lands. I will restore. How bad do you want restoration? How bad do you want the Spirit flowing in your life? How bad do you want? I want this so bad. I want this season of refreshing because I know there's things that God has for us in the future. I know there's things God has for me in the future. I know, but He says, Tim, we can't talk about that. We can't go there until we deal here. If you're in this room today and you know what it is, I'm not making you, but I'm asking you. While I pray for you, will you make a decision, God, as I go home today, I will deal with this. God, this week, I will deal with this. I will remove this. I will stop this. more God that's enough I want you more than anything else Father in the name of Jesus right now thank you for your presence that's been here so powerful but God I cannot escape the bad news before next week I start telling the good news Next week, I get to talk about refreshing and I get to talk about refilling and I get to talk, but God, I can't go there until right now I know that every person in this room, that God, we've said, search us, look deep. If there's anything that pops into my mind, anything that doesn't fit, God, I don't want it. 
It's time for it to turn. Father, thank you. Thank you that God, the bad news, is not meant to hurt us. If I tell my kid to study, it's not to hurt them. It's so that one day when they come home and they say, Dad, I made a hay, I can hug them and we can go out and eat pizza and rejoice and celebrate. God, give us courage to hear the bad news. To go through the difficult part. So that the times of refreshing, the times of renewal, can enter our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you, as I know He wants to. Now, I always tell you, go give the devil fits. If you want to give him fits this week, then remove the thing that he uses to beat you. Take away the stick that he uses to beat you. That'll hurt him worse than anything else. May the Lord bless you. Go give him fits.